Hello. We are so excited that you've decided to join us today via our podcast. There are other ways you can join. You can watch us live on Facebook and YouTube under Miracle Temple Deliverance Ministries or on our website at www.mtdm.org. You can also join us in the sanctuary at 401 North Wright Street in Burgall, North Carolina. The zip code is 28425. If you'd like to give a donation, you can simply go to our website at mtdm.org and click on that donation button. God bless you. So, Father, thank you for what you already done, not what you're going to do because you already done it because there's nothing new under the sun. So, God, we just thank you and we praise you that it is done, not going to be, but God is already done. And we thank you for our helper, our teacher, our comforter, our strengthener, our intercessor, which is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we need you today to walk alongside of us. We need you today, Holy Spirit. We can't do it by ourselves. We need your assistance today. We thank you, Father God. We thank you for what you have given us, God. We thank you for your son, God. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that was shed on Calvary for the remissions of our sins. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So we thank you that we are already forgiven. God, even before we accepted you, you already forgave us for past, present, and future sins. So we give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise, God, that we are forgiven. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise, God, that we have been redeemed. And you said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So we thank you, God, that the price have already been paid, God, in the name of Jesus. We thank you, God, that we have been reconciled unto you, God. We thank you, God, that we're no more enemies, God. Hallelujah. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise, God. We thank you, God, that we have been made righteous, God. We in right standing with you, God. So that's something to be thankful for, to be grateful for, God. And we thank you for being our healer. We thank you for being our deliverer. We thank you for being our peace, God, in Jesus' name. And now, Father, as I teach your people, I thank you that as I open my mouth, you have already filled it. I thank you, Father, that I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And God, you will get all glory. You will get all honor. You will get all praise on today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to start off with a a familiar um, passage of scripture. Go with me to 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4, and I'll read through verse 5. 2 Corinthians 10. Verse 4 through verse 5. We thank God for the reading of his word. Amen. Amen. And Father, I thank you for quickening us according to your word today. I thank you for opening our hearts up to receive your word on today. And I thank you, God, that our hearts have already been prepared, made ready for your word on today. And the word of God now reads, verse 4. For the weapons... Of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. 
For the weapons of our warfare fare are not carnal, mean fleshly, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You may be seated. I want to talk on are you ready for battle? Are you ready for battle? We can't say we're ready for battle. We have to be ready for battle. Because sometimes we say we're ready for battle, but when battles come into our lives, we're not ready for that battle that we have to face. So God wants to get us ready for battle. This is why he have the fivefold set up in the church. He have the fivefold set up to, to teach us, to get us ready, to prepare us for the things that we need to be prepared for during this battle. And the battle that we're going through is the battle that's in our mind. That's the battle. It's the battle of the mind. But you got to know how to fight this battle. And we fight with the good fight of faith. That's one of those weapons that we have. This is why, this is why the Bible says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not human weapons. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't come against each other. We're spending too much time in the church wrestling with each other. You know, coming against each other. That's not what the word of God tells us. This is why we have to be taught the word of God. This is why we need to know how to go in. This is why we need to know how to come out. So he said, for our weapons are not carnal. They're mighty. Through God, this warfare that we have is a battle that's going on in our minds. And the only way that we can win this battle that was already won through Jesus is by the renewing of your mind. The Bible said, be not conformed to this world. We keep going over these scriptures and over these scriptures. The reason being is because when he tell you, tell you be not, he's telling you what you should not be doing. Be not conformed. Be not shaped into the pattern, the customs, the molds of this world. He said, but I want you to be transformed. I want you to be changed. How can I be transformed and changed? My spirit is what was made new, but my soul has to be changed. It has to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Your mind didn't get saved. Whether y'all know it or not, your mind did not get saved. The day you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it was your spirit that was made new. That was a part of you that was made new. Your mind, your will, and your emotions, guess what? If they were shaky before you got saved, they're still shaky. If they were going through some kind of emotional distraught, they still were going through some emotional distraught. The only difference is God gave you what you need to get through what you were going through. But the only way you can get through it is by renewing your mind to what you have now that you're in Christ. The more you renew your mind, you will prove what the good and acceptable will of God is for your life. But when you don't renew your mind, you're thinking things did not change in my life. I'm doing the same thing. I'm talking the same way. I'm acting the same way. Come on, you you are a, a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things did become new. They became new in your spirit. 
So you got to connect with the real you, which is your spirit. And you connect with the real you through the word of God. The word will quicken you. The word will bring life to you. And that life is coming from your spirit and it's going to your body. And then your body is living the life according to your spirit. And that's how people know that you're born again. If people don't see change in you, it's not because change wasn't already there in you. It is because your mind is jacked up. And then when you, when, when you get into the word of God, guess what? It's going to be a fight. That flesh don't want the word. That flesh don't want to change because it's used to doing what the world was doing. Come on, somebody. The flesh is used to listening to what it want to listen to to move. People move more to carnal things than they move to spiritual things. Why? Because they're more used to carnal things. Come on, if I pop the beat in here, some of you be working your shoulders harder than just Judah singing. Because that's what your flesh used to the beat. That beat is still in you. But when you get into the word of God and the word get into you, guess what? The word is going to overpower that beat that you're hearing. Come on, you could be in the midst of a restaurant and they playing oldies but goodies. When your focus ain't on them oldies but goodies, but your focus is on the word of God, you ain't paying attention to what them oldies and goodies is saying. Some people under the table stomping their feet. Come on, be honest. Some people be moving ahead. Next thing you know, some people singing with the song. Because that's where you were. That's not who you are now. Come on, some people say, well, in order for me not to hear the apostle, I have to get from around it. Come on, you're around foolishness all day long. It's just according to you knowing who you are. The more you focus on him, you ain't paying no attention to them. Oh, hallelujah, somebody. Come on, you can be around foolishness, but you don't have to act like a fool. You can be around a prostitute, but you don't have to be a prostitute. You can be around somebody that's out homonging, but you don't have to be a homonger. You can be around somebody that's dancing like the world, but you don't have to do what they do. Oh, help me some. No, thank you, Holy Ghost. I got your help. That's how you know that you have been transformed. That's how you know that you have been changed. Because the world don't affect you no more. It ain't the same no more. You don't have to do what they do to be accepted because you know you already accepted in the beloved. Y'all, I'm talking about this battle. Come on, we're battling in our minds every day. Come on, if you got a household that's unequally yoked, you got one that's serving the father and you got one that's serving the world. If you don't get your mind right, you're going to end up serving the world like them because you're thinking what you're doing ain't working. Because they're telling you, hey, you got to go somewhere with me. You want me to go to church with you? Now you got to go with me. Hey, apostle, I can't come to church today. Me and my husband going to hang out. You say do unto others as you will have them to do unto you. So I got to do unto him like I want him to do unto me. The devil is a lie. That means that you got to get into the word and get some more transformation. You got to get some more change because you don't do like everybody else. You stand doing all you stand. Regardless. You don't put God down and pick the world up. You either going to be hot or cold. God don't want no lukewarmness. He's 
spews it out. It makes him sick. We don't want lukewarm Christians. Either you're going to stand for what's right or you're not going to stand for what's right. Either you're going to be in the world or you're not going to be in the world. The Bible says you're in the world, but you're not of the world, so you don't do what the world does. What does that really mean? Have anybody really focused on what the Bible is saying? Jesus said they are in the world. You can't deny you are in this world. He said you can be in it, but you don't have to be of it. What does he mean? You can be in it, but don't act like it is. Don't do what it does, because that's not who you are. You're supposed to bring change in the world to let the world know I'm not from here. I'm from another kingdom. Hmm. It's so quiet in here. But it's all right. So we have to understand we are in a spiritual battle. We don't fight carnally. We don't fight fleshly. We got mighty weapons. And these weapons come from God, so I know they got to be mighty. Let me talk about one, but I got to move on to where God is, is taking us today. One is praise. You got a weapon of praise that will steal the enemy. That will shut the enemy down. Why? Because the enemy know what praise will do. Because when you begin to praise God, that means that you're magnifying him. You making him above what you're going through. You making him bigger than what you're going through. So the more you begin to glorify God, the more you begin to praise God, the more you begin to thank God, the more you begin to get into a high praise and keeping a two-edged sword in your hand, the enemy is going to be upset. Can I get some praises in this house? Can I get some praises in the house to know how to give God praise? Come on, he's worthy of the praise. He's worthy of the glory. Come on and magnify the Lord with me. For he alone is worthy. He's worthy of glory. He's worthy of honor. He's worthy of all the praise. Come on. Come on and give him praise. Let the enemy know he's a liar. Let the enemy know the victory has been won. Come on and give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory God. Hallelujah. Glory God. Come on, that's a weapon. Praise is your weapon. Praise is your weapon. Praise is your weapon. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. For he is good and his mercy endured forever. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. God has done too much. God has done too much. He's done too much for us not to praise him. Come on, God is good. God is worthy. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to his name. Come on, you got a weapon. 
You got to use that weapon. Hallelujah. 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 Glory be to God. And guess what's happening now? Flesh don't want to praise him. Y'all didn't know? Flesh don't want to praise him. That's when you get past flesh. And you let flesh know we're going to magnify the Lord. We're going to give him glory. In spite of how we feel, we're going to give him glory. Hallelujah. Glory, God. Hallelujah. See, you magnifying him above. You magnifying and you praising him above what's going on in your life. You giving him glory in spite of what's going on in your life. You giving him honor in spite of what's going on in your life. And how can we praise him? Because we know God is not man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he shall repent. He said, have I not said it? And shall I not do it? Have I not spoken it? And shall I not make it good? Come on, that's enough to praise him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo, glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we know that praise is a weapon. And we know praise steals the enemy. Come on, Lucifer knew what praise did in heaven. So he don't want you praising him here on earth. Because the more you praise him, you ain't magnifying the devil and his foolishness. Amen. So this is where I'm going this morning. Go with me to 1 Samuel 17. I had to go there to get here. 1 Samuel 17. And everybody know this. Some of us say we know it quite well. We're going to First Samuel 17, and it says, in verse 1, verse 2, and verse 3, it's telling about them setting up for battle. I don't know what's going on with the mic, but it's all right. First Samuel 17, verse 1 through verse 3, is telling about these two armies that has their battle in array, that means that they have set up for battle. They have prepared for battle. They, they, they lined up. They're ready to fight. They're ready for war. But then in verse 3 it says, And the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. So we see that the Israelites were on one side. The Philistines was on another. There was a valley in between them. And normally what they do for war, they be shouting and, and ranting and, you know, just having war cries. They just having war cries back and forth with each other, you know, because they know they're going to battle. They're going to war. So wonder what they're doing. They're building themselves up for this battle. Even before they fight against each other, they, they got war cries. Come on, y'all. We should have some war cries. We should have some praise as our weapon, right? 
So the next thing I want you to see is when they had their self built up for battle, let's look at verse four. It says the Philistines had a champion fighter from God, from Gath named Goliath. Now let me explain this when it say champion. When you look at champion, we know it's a mighty warrior. We know it's somebody that, you know, fought battles, won battles. But this champion that they're talking about here is dealing with a mighty warrior. But it's one that comes out from within the army. And he tells them, we don't really need these people back here. Just give me a man that could stand up with me, against me. This is what they champion did. He came out of the uh, rank. He wasn't part of the rank. He came out and challenged the other people that was ready to fight to let them know, send a man to fight against me. And if he win, we're going to get there. That's what they're talking about with this champion. And they began to describe Goliath. He was about nine feet, four inches. He was almost 10 feet tall. He came out of the Philistines camp with a bronze helmet on his head, a coat of bronze armor, Um, that weighed about 125 pounds. And then he wore a bronze protectors on his leg and he had a bronze spear on his back across his shoulders. The wooden part of his larger spear was like a weaver's rod and his blade weighed about 15 pounds. The officer who carried his shield, his shield bearer walked in front of him. Now check this out. The first thing that's happening here is Goliath is being described. His height, his, his armor, everything is, is being described. Why is this happening? Because this is seeing naturally. This is what I want you to understand. You may have some Goliaths in your life that's happening, whether it's sickness, whether it's money problems, whether it's marriage problems, marital problems, whatever the problems may be with your children, your job, whatever it may be, it may be a Goliath. And it's sitting in front of you. Now, seeing naturally means you don't deny that you're not seeing it. This is where the church folks messed up. This is what's happening naturally. They described Goliath because this is who he was, a big man. This is his armor that he put on. They're telling the weight of that armor. You seeing that what? naturally so you don't want to deny what you see naturally if your finger is bleeding you don't say it ain't bleeding and you slinging blood everywhere you hitting people with blood and they saying well your finger bleeding no it ain't it's to heal (laughs) yes my finger is bleeding but it is the healed of the lord See, you don't deny what you see naturally What's going on naturally? If you having marital problems, you don't deny you having marital problems. Amen. So here go another. Elijah and his servant in 2 Kings 6, 13 through 15. Y'all know what was happening. Elijah was giving battle plans to the king of Syria. Because the king of Syria was coming against um, the king of Israel. So as he gave him these battle plans, he couldn't come up and overtake you know, the king of Israel army. So this king of Syria said, who is um, telling my battle plans? They said, it is Elijah. So they went to um, attack Elijah. So they were coming at night. How many know the enemy? He'll come at you in the wee hours of the morning. Or he'll come at you at night when it's dark. 
Okay, so they come at Elijah, and this is what it said in verse um, 14. Then the king sent horses, chariots, and many troops to, D- to Dothan. They arrived at night and surrounded the city. Elijah's servant got up early and went out, and he saw an army with horses and chariots all around the city. Did he deny what he was seeing? He said, the servant said to Elijah, oh, no. Come on, wouldn't y'all be like that servant? Oh, no, Lord Jesus. He said, at last, my master, what can we do? So he saw the army. So in the natural, you are going to see some things. Some things are going to come at you in the natural. You don't deny that those things are not there. Because that's natural. Everybody got that. That's natural. You don't deny it. Go with me to Numbers 13, 26 through um, 28. I'm setting up something here. I'm trying to move quickly because I know people don't like to sit long and they don't like to be taught. But the devil is a lie. This is why we miss out on what we have with God because we don't want to hear what God has to say. We don't have the patience. We get too anxious. Numbers 13, 26 through 28. Y'all know they were sending spies out to spy out the land, right? And they were going to bring back a report. And they went and came to Moses in verse 26 and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadash and brought back word unto them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. So there's proof. There's fruit in the land. There's good fruit in the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land, whether thou sent us. They were obedient, were they not? They went. And surely it flowed with milk and honey. Okay, there go your proof. It flowed with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. Here go your proof. Nevertheless, the people be too strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of of the Amalekites there. Now look at this. They showed them the proof. Come on, they saw it with their own eyes. They saw the fruit of the land. They saw how the land was flowing with milk and honey. But how many know that the enemy is going to put something else there to make, to take your mind off of what God said? Right? You will see a miracle. You will see your healing. You will see yourself prospering. And all of a sudden, the enemy is going to put a thought there. How are you going to pay your bills next week, next month? Come on, he does this. So look at this. So they were seeing, were they not? This is still seeing naturally. This is what they were seeing naturally. Now, 1 Samuel 17, so I got to the seeing. We see things naturally, right? We cannot deny what we see. It's right there. Now let's go to 1 Samuel 17, 8 through 10. I'm just taking you through something. 1 Samuel 17, 8 through 10. Now look at this. They saw who? They saw Goliath come out, right? They saw how big he was. Now let me tell you what else is getting ready to happen. Verse 8. Goliath stood and shouted to the Israelites' shoulders, the ranks of Israel. Why have you taken position, lined up for the battle? All right. They saw him. They saw how big he was. Now they're hearing this giant. He said, why did you even come out here to line up? I am, am I not a Philistine and you are Saul's servants? 
choose a man and send him to fight me. Now, the reason why he said, am I not a Philistine and you saw servants? We're going to go back through history. The Israelites always had a problem with the Philistines. When they come out of Egypt, God didn't even take them in the territory of the Philistines. He said, if I take them this way, he said, they will turn back to Egypt because they're not ready for battle. Are you ready for battle? He said, if I take them this way, the way of the Philistines, he said, they'll go back to Egypt because they're not ready for war. So then we, we go in the Bible and we see that Joshua, he didn't conquer all those Philistines. Joshua still had some territory that he had to take dealing with those Philistines. He didn't conquer them. When you go back through history, you see that he was still dealing with the Philistines, but they did get some rest from the Philistines in Samuel day. When Samuel was um, with Israel, they did get some rest then, but then war started back up with Jonathan, Saul's son. What did Jonathan do? Jonathan, when they had rest with the Philistines and wasn't messing with them, Jonathan went into the camp, stirred up some stuff. So when he got, when he defeated them, then old Saul say, I'm going to go get the rest of them. Come on now. That's where we are now. So he's saying, that's why he said, isn't Saul your servant? One thing about this, and I want y'all to identify this. They saw him. That's seeing naturally. Now they're hearing. That's hearing naturally, right? So Saul said, Am I not a Philistine? One thing I know about the devil and people who serve him, they know who they are. They don't deny that they're the devil. They show you who they are. They show you how vindictive they are. They show you they're murderers. They show you they're liars. They show you they're fornicators. They show you they're adulterers. They show you all of these things. They know their identity. Do you know yours? See, this is how this Philistine, Goliath, was so sure of himself. He knew he was a Philistine. He knew he was a mighty warrior. That was in him. They didn't scare him. He didn't flinch by their big army. Because he knew who he was. That's your first thing. When you don't know who you are, you are not ready for battle. If they ask you, who are you? And you say, well, I was born. No, I ain't asking you that. Who are you? I'm a son of God. I have a new identity. I'm born from above, not from this earth. I am joined unto the Lord. I am one spirit with him. As he is. So am I in this world. Come on, do you know your identity? Because if you don't know your identity, do not go to war. That's just like my daughter. They're telling her to stick a, a baby. And she's saying, where at? Where at? And she's sitting there trying to figure out where to poke that poor baby. Come on, she had to get trained. In her field on what to do with the baby. Before they turn her. Oh Lord have mercy. Some of you want to be turned loose. With the title. And don't know who you are. You got to know you a son. It ain't about a title. 
if you don't know that you are a son, what is the title going to do for you? Oh, Lord, have mercy. So, he knew who he was. He was a mighty warrior. They didn't scare him because he didn't flinch. And then he began to say, now listen to this, choose a man and send him to fight me. The Israelites didn't have a man over there. He knew that. So he came out and told him, choose a man. Then he said, if he can fight and kill me, we will be your servants. He said, your slaves. But if I can kill him, you will be our servants and slaves and serve us. Then he said, today I stand and dare. That's what defy means. I dare, I challenge the army, the ranks of Israel. Send one of your men. Give me a man. He's begging them. Give me a man that can come against me. He knew his identity. He wasn't coming down. He knew the fear in them. He was not coming down. When you know your identity and who you are, you don't come down. You are not moved. You may be shaken, but you don't move. Because you know who you are. And you're not magnifying what's in front of you. You're magnifying him. Everybody getting this? Let me give you another one. First Kings 19, y'all familiar with this one? Who is this? This is Elijah. This is the one that said there would be no rain. This is the one that bought the word of the Lord. This is the one that came against the prophets of Baal and slew those prophets. And God revealed himself through a miracle. Come on, y'all. He revealed himself. But then in 19, it says, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Come on, when God is working a miracle, somebody going to go tell it. And with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. So he went and told it, didn't he? Let me tell you what was done. Let me tell you what happened with Elijah. You know, the devil mad. Come on, you come bringing me a report? About what Elijah done? Let me tell you what I want you to tell Elijah. Come on, when God works a miracle in your life, when God does something in your life beyond what man can do, the enemy is going to retaliate. So she said, I want you to go tell him. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also. If I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. So guess what? And when he saw, that means when he perceived it. When he considered it. When you perceive a thing, when you consider a thing, you begin to see a thing. When he heard it, he perceived it, he considered it, and guess what he did? It said, and he went for his life. The same Elijah. That spoke a word that there was not going to be any rain. And came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. So we see, we talked about seeing naturally and hearing naturally, right? We see what Goliath did. They saw him and they heard him. 
Now, going on what you see, check this out, and hear will bring you fear. Going on what you see and hear will bring fear. The enemy knows this. First Samuel 17, 11, listen at this. When Saul and the Israelites, listen, heard the Philistine words, they were very scared, dismayed, and terrified. Did y'all hear that? The enemy set it up. The enemy said, if I can get you to see it naturally, if I can get you to hear it naturally, you're going to be terrified. You're going to be scared. And that's what happened. And this is what the enemy does when he know he got your eyes, he got your ears, and he know fear is coming. He ain't going to let up. Go to verse um, 16 of 1 Samuel 17. And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself, listen at this, 40 days. Why? Because he said, I'm going to build a stronghold. I'm going back to 2 Corinthians 10. I'm going to build a stronghold in your mind. So I can't let up on you. Knowing that you saw it, you heard it, and I got some fear there. Now what I'm going to do, I got to make sure that that seed is deep. So I'm going to keep presenting myself to you with that same thought. Morning, evening, and night. He did it for 40 days. 40 is testing and 40 is trial. 40 means testing and it means trial. So the enemy, if you don't do nothing with the thought, he is planning a stronghold in your life. And a stronghold is what? An your life where you held in to your way of thinking so the enemy knew i got you i got to keep coming out at you the more i come out at you with the same thing and you ain't doing nothing then guess what i'm building that fortress in your mind see a stronghold in the bible when david hid it was a place of safety the enemy know if I can build a stronghold with your thoughts, it's a place that you're hanging out in and you can't get out. It's walled around. It's like a city. And this is what's keeping the people of God from moving forward in the things of God. And what God has already given us is because we got strongholds set up in our minds due to our way of thinking. And we cannot release the power of God because it's things in front that's blocking his power from coming through. Not that you don't have it, but you got to change your way of thinking. If you don't change your way of thinking, what happens is it will literally kill you. It will literally affect you in a way that you feel like you're paralyzed and you cannot move. That's why the Bible say a merry heart does good like medicine. What, what happens when your heart ain't merry? It dries up the bones. So we see. Acts 16, 16 through 18. I'm giving you a little bit in both areas. Y'all see in Acts 16, this was um, Saul, Paul. 
and he was with Silas and this, this girl was following them. It says as they went 16, 16 through 18, as we were on our way to the place of prayer, let me tell you something. The enemy knows when you get into your place of prayer and you begin to communicate with God, he know you coming out with something. So he want to stop you from communicating with God from getting into prayer. It said we were met by a slave girl who was possessed by a spirit of divination. Claiming to foretell future events and to discover hidden knowledge. And she brought her own, her owners much gain by her fortune telling. She kept following Paul and the rest of us shouting loudly. Come on, this is dealing with thoughts. Your thoughts follow you. Everywhere you go, you're hearing those thoughts. Even in you in a happy place, that thought is still there rotating. Over and over again, you're hearing that thought. So she kept following them. She kept following them. And she was following them. She was shouting. And this is what she was shouting. She said, they announced to you, these men are the servants of the Most High God. They announced to you the way of salvation. And she did this many days. But guess what? Then Paul, being sorely annoyed and wore out, he was worn out by this thing, turned and said to the spirit within her, I charge you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and it came out of her that very moment. Y'all know what happened to Paul and Silas? By delivering that woman. But Paul didn't let it go on, did he? Then it says, now I'm going back to 1 Samuel. Keep flipping back and forth. We're going to loosen up these Bibles today. First Samuel 17, 23 through 27. And I'm going to say, wake up. Wake up. Don't fall asleep. The enemy wants you to go to sleep because he don't want you to hear truth. Wake up. If you got to stand up with your Bible open, stand up. Don't feel ashamed. Stand up and get the word. First Samuel 17, 23 through 27. Got to talk loud to keep you active. While he was talking with them, Goliath the Philistine, the champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine rank. He shouted things against Israel as usual. Now listen at this. We're talking about David. And David heard him. When the Israelites saw Goliath, they were very much afraid and ran away and fled. Remember, this is what the Israelites was doing. Every time they heard, they fled. Let me ask y'all a question. Every time you hear that thought that's in your mind that you haven't done nothing with, you are trying to run, you are trying to get relief, your body is doing jumping jacks. Not good jumping jacks. Your stomach all over the place. Your toe up from the flow up. You don't know which way to turn. Come on, that's what they were doing. Every time Goliath would come out, this is what they done. The Bible says that this time David heard. David heard because he went to check on his brothers. He went, he was obedient to his father. So David heard it. So look at verse 25. They said, look at, look at this y'all. Have you seen this man? He keeps coming out to challenge, to defy Israel. The king will give much money, a great reward, great wealth to whoever kills him. He would also let whoever kills him marry his daughter and his father's family would not have to pay taxes, be made free in Israel. Now look at this, y'all. The king was so afraid. The king was saying, I know what I, how I can get him to go out there and fight. 
I'll give you my daughter. I'll, you don't have to pay your taxes no more in the land. Just go kill that Goliath. Nobody would do it. See, when you're going through in your mind, come on, somebody. When you're going through with a Goliath in your mind, money don't matter. Your things that you have don't. I, I'm going to help somebody today. When you're going through some kind of tragedy, when you're going through something with a loved one, when you're going through something that has hurt you so bad, money don't help you. Nothing that nobody gives you help you. It don't soothe you. It don't do nothing for you. You say, keep it. Nothing I have matters. Why is it when things happen in our lives that man can't help us with, nothing that we wanted before matters no more? Let me say it again. When things happen in our lives that's so terrible that we enjoyed before, we enjoy our houses, we enjoy our cars, we enjoy our clothes, we enjoy getting our nails done, our toes done, our hair done, we enjoy things like going on trips, we enjoy, you know, nice things, but when bad things begin to happen, none of those things matter. Don't care if I don't get the house. Don't care if I don't get the car. Don't care if I don't get this, that, or the other. Only thing I want is, is to live. I'm helping somebody. So tell me, why are those things so important when nothing is going on then? Because we make them that way. We make material things appear to be more than God. The only way we really bow down to God is when man say they can't. That's when we say he can. None of them wanted what Saul had. (laughs) They didn't want his daughter. I don't care if you you pay all my taxes and continue to pay. I ain't going to fight that. Man, what's wrong with you? So then David asked the men who stood near him, what will be done to reward the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the shame, the disgrace, the reproach from Israel? Who does this uncircumcised pagan Philistine think he is? Here's the man. Here's the man that God brought in on the scene. See, God brought David because God had already anointed David. Did he not? God had already put his anointing on David to be king. God was already preparing David for kingdomship when he was tending to them sheep. He was preparing. Y'all, I'm talking about are you prepared for battle? Some of us are in battles right now and never got prepared. We just went out and trying to show people I can speak in tongues. Them tongues don't mean a hill of beans to you if you don't know what tongues are for. When you don't get teaching on tongues, ain't no use you speaking in tongues. When you don't know what tongues do in your life. Ain't no use to you saying be healed when you don't know what it is to be healed. 
So he said, who does this Philistine think he is? Does he think he can speak against, taught, defy, challenge the armies of the living God? Come on, God had to send somebody that would stand on what they believed. The Israelites told David what would be done for the man who would kill Goliath. Now listen at this. Now after David said what he said. Now when you stand up. Now I'm I'm showing now. we, we, We saw how you see, you hear, and what those things do to you when you see it and when you hear it, right? They bring fear, right? We saw how the enemy know when he got you in fear that he's gonna keep coming out, keep coming out, keep coming at you, keep coming at you. So we see these results and we saw it through other people in the Bible. But now I'm showing you what we have to do. Okay? So we see here, the enemy will use someone to try to discourage you. Remember David spoke, who is this Philistine? Who is this uncircumcised one that's not in covenant without God? Who is he coming to try to talk, to reproach? Come on, the armies of the Lord. Now, this is what David said in verse 28. The brother said, when David's oldest brother, Elab, Elab, heard David talking with the soldiers, he was angry. Wait a minute, y'all. Come on now. Why are you getting angry at David? Your own brother. This is what the Holy Spirit showed me. Y'all remember David was anointed to be king. Do you remember Elab was the first one that looked big and bolstery and all this that Samuel was going to get ready to anoint? And God said, that ain't the one. He said, you don't go on outer appearance. He said, you go on the heart. So I do believe that Elab had some stuff in him that was against David to be angry. Why would you get angry? He said he was angry. And his anger burned against David. He asked David, why did you come here? Who's taking care of those few sheep of yours in the desert? See, a person that's jealous of you, a person that, you know, hold things in their heart against you, they're going to bring something to tear you down because they feel rejected. And they want you to feel rejected. Who's taking care of them old few sheep you got? Come on, we got people in the church doing it right now. Talking against the pastor. Talking against people in the church. Because they want to be in that position. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He said, I know you are proud. Look at him. And wicked at heart. Who is he? Deceitful. You came down here just to watch the battle. Please. Come on. You, you, you amongst Saul's army. And you running. And you calling me wicked. Come on. You running from Goliath. You calling me wicked. David asked, now what have I done wrong? Can I even talk? Can I ask the question? Now listen what David did. David did not change his confession. Verse 30. When he turned away to the other people and asked the same questions, they gave him the same answers as before. Yet what David said was told to Saul and he sent for David. David did not change his confession. 
When we know who we are, when we know whom we serve, when we renew our mind according to the word of God, we don't change our confession. It stays the same no matter what we see or hear. It stays the same. David didn't change it. I'll go to another one that didn't change. Y'all remember in Mark 5, this is talking about the lady that had the issue of blood. And then it's talking about Jairus. And his daughter was at the point of death. He told Jesus to come with him. Jesus was coming with him to heal the daughter. But the lady with the issue of blood stepped in front of him. She was healed. Jairus got news that. In verse 36, while Jesus was still speaking, Mark 5, 36, 35, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of the synagogue leader. They said, your daughter is dead. There is no need to bother the teacher anymore. Why trouble the teacher anymore? Can you imagine Jesus was coming to his house to heal the daughter? But on the way to the house, he got news that the daughter was dead. Verse 36, but Jesus paid no attention to over, uh, what they said, he told the synagogue leader, don't be afraid, just believe. See, Jesus' focus was not on what he heard. His focus was on what the word has to say. Where have we lost focus? We lose focus when we pay too much attention to the world, to the television, to the radio, hanging around bad company, corrupt, good what? It corrupted. When you hanging around people that's doing crazy stuff that's in the world, come on, you're going to be just like them sooner than later. You have to dismiss yourself. You have to, uh, do I bring my God in the midst of this? No, 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 I respect him more than that. That's not my God. That's not who I serve. That's not what my God is about. So I don't hang with people that do stuff outside of what God, I don't care who it is. Because when I hear something that ain't right, shoo, choose today whom you're going to serve. As for me and my house, I'm the temple. As for me and my house, whatever you do with yours, that's your business. We are going to serve the Lord. I don't care how close I am to you. You ain't taking me away from my father's house. Because I know in my father's house, I have everything that I need. I know in my father's house, I can go to my father. No matter what kind of trouble I am in, and he's going to supply all my need. He's going to give me everything that I need. So I got to keep my mind where it need to be on things above and not on things of this earth. Because any little thing that creep in will mess up where I am. So that was Jesus. He paid attention. Now let's see what David did. David, I'm going through it quickly. I, I skipped some steps. But David talked about his past victories. We know they took David to Saul. And the first thing that Saul said, here goes Saul, dis, he was, you know, disencouraging David to, he said, you are a butter youth. But this man has been a warrior since his youth. 
So he, he practically telling David, man, you're going to get yourself killed. But this is what David said. See, when you have that word in you, and you know that word bring you life, look at what David said in 1 Samuel 17, 34. But David said to Saul, I, your servant, have been keeping my father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and took, carried off, stole a sheep, a lamb from the flock, he said, I will chase it, I will attack. Strike it and say, rescue the sheep from its mouth, its jaws. When it attacked, turned on me, I caught it by the fur, the jaw, and hit and killed it. I, your servant, have killed both a lion and a bear. Then he said, this uncircumcised pagan, Philistine will be like them. Because he has spoken against, taunted, challenged the armies of the living God. The Lord who saved, rescued, delivered me from a lion and a bear was saved, rescued, delivered me from this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and may the Lord be with you. Come on, somebody. David said, God saved me before. He's the same God. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. If he saved me from the lion, if he saved me from the bear, he's going to save me from the... Wait a minute now. David spoke this, Mitch, before he went into battle. Mitch, David spoke this before he went into battle. Mitch, David spoke this before he went into battle. Mitch, David spoke this before he went into battle. Mitch, David spoke this before he went into battle. What am I saying, Mitch? He was preparing. He had himself already prepared. David said, while y'all out here running from Goliath, he said, I already killed the lion, I already killed the bear, I already took the lamb out of the lion's mouth. Come on, God did this. How many victories have you had in your life? Not because of you. But because of what God has done. Don't let the world get in the way of the victory. Come on, don't. Y'all got to understand. The enemy is using people that's too close for comfort to get you out of your position. He's using people to try to pull you out from where you are because they ain't where you are. The closer you get to him, the more the enemy is setting up ranks. Mm-hmm. He's going to pull you out. You know how he pull you out? Because you get happy. You get happy because you're hanging with the crowd. You get happy because somebody's looking up to you. You get happy because you're doing something somebody else is doing. And why you getting so happy with all that, the enemy is coming in to steal, kill, and... Tell your neighbor, come on. Say, settle down. Say, you better settle down. Say, you better settle down. Now look at him and say, I don't think you settle. Look at him again and say, I don't think you settle. Say, your mind is tore up even on this morning. 
You trying to keep it together. Trying to keep it together. Trying to hold the fork down. Come on, somebody. But when you remember when you couldn't move, when you remember when your body was right with pain, come on, I'm talking. When your body was right with pain and you felt like you couldn't move another father. But when you begin to call on Jesus, when you begin to say, Jesus, Jesus, my healer, my savior, my life, my joy, my peace. Come on, the body begin to get quickened. The body begin to get some life. Come on, somebody. Oh, some of you don't know what I'm talking about. The reason why you don't know what I'm talking about, because you ain't using your weapons. When you use your weapons, you can drag that leg along with you by faith. When you use your weapons, you ain't going on how your body feel. You keeping it moving. How can I teach like this? Been there. Done that. Come on, somebody. I can't tell you something I ain't doing or I haven't done. Come on, because the devil wants your mind. If he gets your mind, he got your body. And if he gets your body, it's laying down. It don't want to do nothing. It don't want to go nowhere. It's nervous. It's in pain. It's shaking. And the enemy know if I can keep taunting you, if I can keep coming at you, and you ain't doing nothing. David had the same confession outside of what Saul said, outside of what his brother said. And then Saul, after he gave him the word, Saul said, go and may the Lord be with you. So then Saul said, now look, check this. Woo, we so easy to say, may the Lord be with you, apostle. But I'm going to help you along the way. Come here. I'm going to give you something to help you. So I'm going to tell you this and I'm going to tell you that. Guess what Saul gave him? Saul put his own clothes. Why would I want to wear somebody's clothes of fear? Ain't this the same armor he was running from Goliath with and trying to manipulate somebody to kill Goliath and he the king? Huh? Ain't this the same one? I want his clothes. Saul put his own clothes on David. He said, here, son. He put a bronze helmet on his head and dressed him in armor. David put on Saul's sword and tried to walk around. Oh, Lord. But it was not used, but was not used to all the armor Saul had put on him. Let me tell you why he wasn't used to it. David wasn't used to fear. 
David said, I can't put on fear. I can't put on something that was useless for you. Come on. We got people in the body of Christ trying to put on somebody else's makeup. That ain't your right shade, baby. You're looking like a ghost. You can't wear everybody else's shade. That's a figure of speech. You can't put on everybody's same underwear. It don't fit. You're trying to get it to fit, but you're walking like a slave. Hmm. So listen what he said. (laughs) I can't go in this because I'm not used to it. Then David took them off. Take off what you have picked up from somebody else. Because if it ain't working for them, it ain't going to work for you. Take off tradition. Because the tradition of men make the word of God of none effect. Take off all these prophets you listening to on television and it's sounding good. It's making you jump on the inside, but you ain't searched the scripture to see if it's God. Come on, take off this stuff that you have put on that man have gave you to put on that's not from God. Take off these familiar spirits. Come on, take off this anger. Take off offense. Take off all of these things that people have put on you. David had to take it off. He said, I can't wear this. This don't fit who I am. Anger don't fit who you are. Offense don't fit who you are. Jealousy does not fit who you are. Rejection don't fit who you are. Unforgiveness don't fit who you are. Love will cover you. What did David do? David went to a brook. <laughs> they go Israel on one side. They go the Philistines on one side. It was a valley between them. David had to come down that valley to that brook. And he picked him up five smooth stones. David said, I'm going to use something that y'all think can't be you. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Just like y'all think I can't be used. God is using someone y'all think can't be used. So David said, I'm going to go get five smooth stones because one of them is for Goliath, but he got four other brothers. And the rest of them going to be defeated. So he went and got his little stones and had his little slingshot. David knew how to use that slingshot. See, David spent time preparing. How you think he... Where you think you going? Let go of my sheep. You dead. <laughs> Verse 45. This is what the David was saying to the Philistine. Y'all know what the Philistine said to David. He tried to scare old David. Who they think they are sending this Rudy, this youth, to me? He laughed. But David said to him, the Philistine, you come to me? Using a sword and two spears, a spear and a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord, all powerful, almighty of heaven's armies of hosts. The God of the armies of Israel. You have spoken against, taunted, challenged him. 
Today the Lord will hand you over to me, deliver you into my hands, and I will kill you. Strike you down and cut off your head. Today I feed the bodies of the Philistine soldiers to the birds of the air and the wild animals. Then all the world, the earth will know there is a God in Israel. Now listen at this. David spoke it before he even interacted on it. Your words have power. David can only speak what he believed. As David was speaking, David saw it. If you're not seeing what you're speaking, you don't need to say nothing. How is it, y'all, we can see bad things before we see good? Somebody say somebody dying, you already see them in front of the altar, dead. Everything about their life just go before you. You consider them dead. Why aren't we seeing life? Why aren't we seeing the life of God? Because that's where our focus is on death. Our focus should be on life. Because yet they die, they shall live. But where is our focus, y'all? So David told Goliath, this is what's going to happen to you. Now, if you're speaking a thing, you should know that's going to happen. Don't just be speaking it. Know that what you're saying is true. God's word is true. He says, sanctify them in truth because thy word is true. So don't say something that you just want to happen. Say what has already happened. David was prophesying what already has happened. He knew what was going to happen. So David, at this point, he knew it wouldn't be him. It would be the power of God, what? Through him. So we got to know it is God's power that's doing the work. It is not us. When we lay hands, it ain't our hands, it's his hands. We're just being obedient. He didn't say pray for the sick. He said lay hands on the sick. That's what the word said. He said you lay hands on them and say be healed. That's what he said. 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 I mess with Mitch. Mitch say he said slap me pastor. But we do what the word tell us to do and we don't wait for nothing. We did what he said and he got to honor what he said. So we go our way based on what he said. That's what he said. So David spoke it. Now what he spoke, he knew it was already done. He was putting his faith in action. So what did David do, y'all? He took that slingshot. He took that stone. And he hit him with it. It sunk in his head. But guess what? He wasn't dead. He had to go run up to that giant. I see David on top of that giant right there. Standing on top of him. Took his, took his, the same sword. Wasn't that a heavy sword? Wasn't it Goliath's sword, y'all? He took. Wasn't that the one that had a pounds of what? Fifteen. David took that big spear and said, off go your head. If you don't get to the root. Let me tell you what happens. 
Y'all got to catch it. Listen what David said. He said he was going to kill the root first. Goliath is the root, right? Then look what he said. Today I'll feed the bodies of the Philistine soldiers. Once he get you get to the root, you got everything that's around it. You got the army that's around the root. Though you're strongholds. You got to know what your strongholds is. What we fighting against is symptoms. You got to know where those symptoms are coming from. If you don't know where those symptoms are coming from, you're going to keep fighting those symptoms. You got to know where your anger is coming from. You got to know the root of that anger. Once you get the root of it, it's going to cut it off. That's why David severed it at the head. When you kill a snake, what do they say do? Why are you cutting the head off? Huh? Why did, did anybody know why you cut the snake's head off? Because when you cut the head off, they said that if you don't do something, it'll come back together. Is that true? That's not true, Jennifer. Jennifer, tell them about cutting the snake's head off. I cut it off. I ain't going to touch it, but cut it off. You done killed so many, you should know. What you do, Jennifer? She said, you going to hell from which you came. She said, she roasted the devil. She said, fire to him. But what I'm saying, I want y'all to catch this. Catch what God is saying today. Did y'all catch this? It was there in 1 Samuel 17. All of this information was in 1 Y'all, I had to stop. I had to literally stop. Because from the time I sat down... 10 o'clock, was it 10? 10, honey? This morning, yesterday morning, on up to 10 last night, I had little breaks. I had to cut it off. I said, Lord, this is a lot of information. Lord, this is a lot. And every time he would feed me more, he would feed me more. He was showing me how the battle is so much in your mind. And if you don't get to the root of it, the enemy is going to keep coming and coming and coming. And the only way you can literally deal with it is through the word. The word is your medicine. Then David said, everyone gathered here will know the Lord does not need swords or spears to save, deliver his people. The battle belongs to him and he will hand you over to us. The Lord does this. The, that's why, y'all, we have to know our weapon. We have to know what God has given us before you go into battle. How are you going to go into battle and don't know what you have? Come on, how are you going to get a gun and don't know how to use it? Don't know how to put bullets in the gun. Don't know how to load the gun. Y'all, I used to be scared of guns. Used to be. Used to be scared of them. Wouldn't put them in my pocketbook. I said, because it might blow my hand off. Scared of them. But then this is what the Lord told me about a gun. He said, I want you to take that gun in your hand with no bullets. Of course, none. And I want you to work with that gun. I want you to know what every part of that gun does. Once you learn every part of that gun and what that gun does, and you know how to use that gun, then put the bullets in the gun. 
Why put bullets in a gun and don't know how to aim it and don't know what's on the gun? Don't make no sense. We go get stuff because somebody else got it and still don't know how to use it. Half of us in this room got phones that we still don't know how to use. Half of us in this room got computers, iPads that we still don't know how to use. Don't even know how to take a picture. But we want something new. Come on. We don't know how to use it. Why do you think that they give you instructions? So you know what you got. So you know how to use. This is our manual, y'all. Right here. The Bible will teach you through the Holy Spirit. Guide you. Lead you. Prosper. Show you everything you need if you get in it. If we spend more time in here. I'm going to say this. Do you spend more time with the TV or with the word? Because the more time you spend with what you're spending time with is what you're going to start believing in that's true. If we spend more time in, don't say you don't have time. The devil is a lie. Because we spend more time on that TV. We spend more time on other things than we do the word. If you're spending five hours on the television, that's five hours you could have been in that word. Come on, check yourself. Come on, the first thing you do when you get up in the morning. Come on, if you're going to be ready for battle, this should be in your hand. This should be in your hand long enough for it to get deposited in your heart. So when you go out the door, you don't have to do this. Where was that? What that say? Because when you're in a battle, you have the Holy Spirit. And I say, Holy Spirit, remind me of what the word said to me. Boom, there it is. Thank you. This got to get in your heart. The more this get in your heart, the more it's going to come out of your mouth. What's coming out of your mouth? Whatever is coming out of your mouth is what's pouring from your heart. The more you get into the word, the less foolish you would act. You would not have foolishness on your mind. You would not be putting foolish stuff on the internet. Because it's funny to you. May not be funny to somebody else. Don't send me that foolishness. I don't go down like that. Mm Mm-mm. When you hang around a fool, you become a fool. (laughs) Y'all didn't know? This is why we, as the body of Christ, in order to get prepared for battle, you got to be taught. Yes, the Holy Spirit, he does teach you, but he puts you up under someone to teach you what the word of God has to say unto you so you can be prepared for battle. They thought they were ready. Come on, them soldiers was lined up, but running. Get in. What did God tell Gideon? Before he even went into battle, had all them 20,000 soldiers. God said, I want you to, the fearful and the unbelieving, send them home. Oh, it just just depleted that army. They went home. But then he said, I still ain't finished. 
He said, I want some to lap like dogs, and I want the other ones, the ones that bow down. Guess what he did? He depleted it to 300 people. He said, now we can go into battle. Is that not like God? So this is what I'm saying. If you're not ready for battle, quit pretending like you are. Quit acting like you're ready and you know. We have to get into this word and we have to prepare ourselves. And let me tell you how you really know where you are through testing. When things hit your house and it don't sound right, it don't feel right, it don't look right. Who you calling? Who you trusting? What are you standing on? Whom are you turning to? That's when you know you're ready for battle. Because you're saying, God, you're the same God. You're the same God that did it for me then, and you're the same God that's doing it now. You are all knowing, God, you will not leave me, nor shall you forsake me. You will be with me even unto the end. So, God, I thank you that the battle has already been won even before it was fought because I'm fighting the good fight of faith. God, it ain't about me. It's all about you, God. So I thank you that the victory has already been won. You are not going to be made ashamed of. So God, I give you some glory. I give you honor. And I give you praise for what you have already done. Are you ready for battle? Come on and give God a ham clap of praise. God is a good God. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. He wasn't that an inspiring message. Thanks for listening to the end. Join us every Tuesday for Bible study and every Sunday for service. We're looking forward to hearing from you as well. Feel free to reach out to us via the website at www.mtdm.org. God bless you and we'll see you next time.